Let's ask God to prepare us for His Word. Uh, God, I, I thank You that we can come around Your Word and we know that, you're, that You plant Your Word in our hearts. And so before we even hear Your Word, You are able to soften our hearts. So if there's maybe stress and worry or anything that's really gotten away or, and caused us to have a hard heart, will You soften it now so Your Word can be planted deep in our hearts. We'd not only be hearers of it, but we'd become doers of it, God. We submit to You now. We want to do Your will. We resist the devil. We thank you that he has to flee. We pray a hedge of protection around us and our children. And we pray in this hedge of protection that you'd minister to us, bring freedom and healing into our life. If anyone is without hope, God, we pray that you would draw them unto yourself now, knock on the door of their heart so they can receive you as their Saviour. In Jesus' name, Amen. Um, I, I want to remind you, even as I pray that, I, I also pray that it's for you to understand that that's what the Holy Spirit does. So He actually draws you. As, so we're saved by the grace of God and He knocks on the door of your heart and you get the sense, even as the Word is preached, if you're out of relation with God, God actually starts to do a work. He knocks on the door of your heart and, and I encourage you to respond and actually open up that door and receive His free gift of salvation. We've been doing a series called Wide Awake, and it's, of course, our vision month. And as we've been doing it, we've been speaking about um, that, that we need to awake, O sleeper, like it says in Ephesians, and see the opportunity uh, that God's play, uh, put right in front of us, opportunity for His glory to build His kingdom. And, and we want to encourage you, the, the church, to be wide awake um, to the opportunities, to the destiny God's got for you. And we've spoken about things that keep you awake. We said purpose keeps you awake. Uh, we said what you speak keeps you awake. You're either going to speak life or you're going to speak death. And we've also said uh, gratitude keeps you awake. Staying thankful, praising God uh, keeps you wide awake. And of course, Scripture actually says it's God's will what's, uh, that we are thankful in all circumstances. And so, so even just seeing, okay, so, so what does the Bible say is God's will for my life? What well, to be thankful? So even as you do it, you're way more sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And, and the Scripture also says with, with gratitude, thankfulness with praise you enter into his presence so this is a key way to to stay close to God today I want to speak to you about um, being wide awake to eternity what on earth am I doing for eternity and and you and I um, have this opportunity uh, to to lift our eyes uh, to to the eternal hope we have that one day we're going to actually live forever with God, um, or we can actually fall asleep, uh, maybe live in a haze of the temporary. You know, this week as I was preparing, I always uh, I don't know if you've ever had one of those experiences where you have a great December, you, you do quite a few things and you get out there, and then you have a bry and and a whole bunch of you start to talk about the things you should do more this year. And a lot of the things um, like, you know, we should go camping more, we should do all these things. And, and after a while, you've like, you've come up with all these ideas of what you should do more of. Anyone? Have had a December like that? And, and then all of a sudden, it's like a battle. It's going to be the church's vision versus your, your bride vision. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Because, because all the time, your friends, like the, the devil goes, oh, I love this bride vision. And he goes, like, throws that idea. Let's do everything on Sunday. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and next thing you know, you, you can't even be connected to your church anymore. And it's actually just a real thing. I've had it. I'll be doing life with people and I think they'll forget I work at the church and they'll start telling me, we should do this and we should do that. I'm like, dude, 
you not know I work at the church? Like I can't do any of those things on Sunday when you want to do it. Um, and, and I want to encourage you uh, to make the most of living in this beautiful city and, and to make the most of your family time, uh, but not to fall asleep on actually why we've been placed here. And, and what you do for God on earth, you'll enjoy forever in heaven. And you can live to just enjoy this earth, but you'll miss out on the opportunity to make a difference in the temporary that will impact the eternity. And, and so wake up to your eternal opportunity and don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying don't have fun. I'm, I'm just saying uh, make sure your your vision for, for heaven and God's purpose is greater than your, your bri vision. You know what I mean? Um, like that, that just the, and, and you must remember if you've got a lot of friends around your bri who, who, who don't have a vision for the kingdom or maybe even they don't go to church anymore, uh, don't like you do become like the people you spend time with. So you need to be aware of that. Don't be fooled when you start to be upset with the church's rhythms. You know what I mean? Because you're creating a rhythm outside of the church. You actually have to be aware of that. And because because if you're going to fulfill the call on your life, um, you, you just need to actually always be wide awake. And that's what the church does for you. The church calls you again to a heavenly purpose. Every year, call the church, the bride of Christ. We, 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 we're called to wake the people up, oh sleeper, to keep us wide awake, to fan the gifts to flame, to get into view groups, so that one day we're going to stand before God and He's going to say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. And my wife shared this morning and, and um, we started prepping this message on Wednesday. Uh, so that's what we do when we preach the same topic. So what I'll do is I'll go look at information. I'll do the research. And her as a medical doctor, she cleans up everything. She's way more intelligent than me. So I'm, I'm good at searching, finding, and then she cleans it up. But she would have shared with you um, that she's uh, the fear of sharks. Now, um, we went to uh, Plet. We, we actually get timeshare given to us from Leanne's family that I'm so grateful for. If you're watching, thank you so much <laughs> online. But uh, so we get to go to Plet sometimes twice a year and it's, it's a really cool vibe. Um, but we actually went there a year and a half ago and there was a lady, uh, the, the, the next, so that when we arrived the week before that, a lady actually had been eaten by a shark. And Graham, um, our founding pastor, was actually there and actually watched her being taken taken by the shock. So it was a very traumatic experience. And it was just sad. Listen, if you tell you about it, it was just a terrible experience. So when we get there, they, they say there's still blood in the water. And they said it was a juvenile shark. So it was a, a young shark and they were way more aggressive. So nobody was in the water except a few people actually still went in. So one guy, like, like it was quite weird. Like he almost like spoke his son into diving. Like, be a man. Like, and then he went and like, went, and anyway, the mom was like, it was, she was having a breakdown. So not many people were in the water. It was very, that was also another weird experience. Anyway, so uh, but the, at one one day we had twelve shark sightings. There, at one point I saw four great whites swimming in a circle. There, that was crazy. It was like I was in an aquarium, like for the week, just like like there were just sharks everywhere. And um, since then, like my my wife, of course, is like, don't go in the water. Like so, so I'll take my girl surfing. We do go in the water, and she's like, no, you can't. And there's sharks. And, and of course, I've sorted that out. I always just invite people who swim slower than us and who surf badly. So if you have come surfing with us recently. I'm so sorry to break the news to you, but um, <laughs> so, because I really do dig surfing and, and my wife really likes us, so we're going to have to, we had to find a way to do it. Um, but, 
but I've had one or two shark experiences. Um, just past on the rocks once, I was I used to surf ski and I knee I used to kneeboard like I do a few k's out at sea. It's this uh, lifeguard kneeboard, and I remember paddling, and the shark just pulled up underneath me, and it was about a meter and a half long. So it was still a baby, so I didn't want to meet mom or dad. Uh, but so I just thought, stay in a rhythm. Of course, there wasn't Instagram. You know, Instagram like when the shark approaches you, just put your hand out on the nose. You know what I mean? Like, like. Um, so I was just paddling, and then I just put my hand out. No joke, you know. Um, oh, I just stayed in a rhythm because I thought my first thought was this: the shark's pulled into the rhythm that I have. So I just stayed, and the shark stayed me for 400 meters again along the rocks, and then I turned uh, just onto close to Doodles onto um, onto that beach there, and then it it left me. Uh, once that was one of the experiences. Once I was at Clifton, the water was super warm, and uh, they, in high it was high tide. You know, this is the rock everyone swims to at high tide and they jump off. Very nice. We were just it was just after we just finished matric. We're swimming there. Water was warm. It was an awesome day. Um, so we swim out quite deep, and we're going under. It's almost like three, four meters. So we 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 we're trying to like what do they call it? Equalize. You know what I mean? Like you know, and we're going under swimming. And so that we go under again, and we come up. And as we come up, it's like a movie on the beach. Like everyone's out the water in these lifeguards. Like, like we're quite far. And I'm like, what? and that's a shock. And so, I was so glad my, my friend's actually a slow swimmer. So, um, so you have to always be strategic. Choose your friends wisely. But um, so, um, but so, so, so funny. He said, "What should we do?" So I was like, "Let's swim back to shore." Um, and as I said that, I was like, why would I do that? I'm just going to swim to the rock. So he sort of swim back to shore and I swim to the rock. Anyway, so then, then he realized I'm swimming to the rock and then he gets in. We got up the wrong side of the rock, like like the face of it, like, ah, ah, and bleeding on our knees just to create more shark movement in the bay. Anyway, so we finally get up there and then they like a boat around the bay. They they supposedly like rode around and the shark left there. Like, okay, you can swim now. And Chisha, I just swam I think a world record like to the beach like I think I didn't even touch the water like I actually just um, a lot of people knew I was a Christian then. I think I was just walking on water and and right there like the national swimming team actually signed me up anyway it was crazy um, <laughs> but I have had a few uh, one or two shark experiences um, but um, yes, it's, you could think you could die, be killed by a shark, uh, but but studies show the, the facts are that, that there's a bigger chance of you being killed uh, by a champagne cork hitting your head, opening. Your, didn't you know that? And that's why drinking is very dangerous. <laughs> Just take note of that. Uh, you got you're more likely to die by by getting hit on the head with uh, by a falling coconut than a shark attack. Um, you're even more likely to die as a result of bad handwriting than you are to die by a shark attack. Yeah, um, a doctor script. <laughs> hey, because think about it, if the doctor, my wife's a doctor, you know what I mean? If the chemist can't make out the doctor script, they might give you the wrong medication, you die. If you think about it, no one finds that funny at all, hey? Like, like you go to the chemist. Now, I've been there because my, my wife's a doctor and so, what do you think she said? I don't know. What do you think she said? And we both like, you know. And uh, so anyway, but but people, you, there's a very small chance that you die of a shark attack. Agreed? 
Um, but there's a greater chance that you die uh, because of a bad handwriting of a script going to the chemist, hey? But everyone feels safe going to the chemist. So we can all settle down. I know I'm joking around, but, but what I wanted to tell you is that we all will die physically. But actually, spiritually, we live forever. So actually, the main part of us doesn't die. So actually, no one's going to die here. And you hear what I'm saying? Scripture actually says one day, you, you're going to pass away. And Paul says in Thessalonians, for Christians, it's like taking a nap. Because you're going to actually pass away and you're going to actually wake up in the presence of God. But here's the thing, everyone actually wakes up somewhere. Christian or not. Everyone lives forever. And as we think of that, that should wake us up. If we all live forever, we better make sure that we're living in this temporary moment really well, being very aware of where we're going to spend eternity. And if we're going to do that, we should also become bold about making sure our family and friends also spend eternity in a certain place. Um, So the Bible... Um, which is the authority on all matters, says in 2 Corinthians 5, for we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, we'll have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God Himself, not by human hands. So even as you look at that, one day when you die, you actually get a new body. People who have six packs on earth will not have six packs in heaven. And people, uh, yeah, that's just, anyway, so just so you guys know that. So one day I'll have a six pack. I'm just saying, you know. We grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies, um, for we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh, but it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. You've been designed to desire that heavenly body. So when you do groan, it's because of that. God's got something greater for you. So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home. Uh, We are not at home with the Lord. So we know that our home is heaven. That's why Scripture says that God's placed eternity in your heart. Uh, Think of this, if you really want to touch someone's heart, speak about eternity with them. Because God's actually placed in their hearts. And that's why whenever you speak about eternity, you're actually speaking to the deepest part of people because God's put it right deep down in your heart. He's placed eternity. And your greatest desire is actually to be at home. Yes, we are fully confident and we'd rather be away. um, Yes, we are fully confident. We would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we'll be at home with the Lord. Of course, um, yes, we're going to be absent from these physical bodies, but to be absent from these bodies is to be present with the Lord. And even Jesus, on the, the criminal on the cross, when He turns to Him, says, please remember me, He says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Yeah, your physical body is about to die, but you are still going to be alive. You're going to actually be with me. And we see Scripture points to us living for eternity. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please Him. 
So, so let's read again. Same scripture. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to accumulate a lot of money. You become YouTube famous. To become Instagram famous, TikTok famous. What's the goal? What's God's goal? According to the ultimate authority scripture, what's the goal of your life? The goal is to please Him. That's the goal. Everyone in this room, that's actually the goal of your life. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. So we have this opportunity in this earthly body to please Him and it's going to make an eternal difference. I remember coming to this church, hearing the gospel, thinking that's what I've always been. I've always been looking for Jesus. I grew up in church, uh, a different church to this, more conservative, but I've always, and I finally, in a way, had my ears open to the gospel. Uh, and it's by the grace of God, because I'd heard the gospel before, but my ears were closed. And it's like scales fell off my eyes. There, that's what I want. And even as I received Christ, all of a sudden what rose up inside of me was this desire to please Him. And that became my greatest prayer. God, I just want to do your will. I don't know what it is, but I want to do your will. I remember praying it for three plus years every day. It actually became my man. I would wake up, I want to do your will. I didn't know how I was going to get there. But I'll let you know, by the grace of God, I ended up stepping into that place. I want to let you know, if He could do it for me, He can do it for you. you. You might not be getting your life right, but I promise you, if you desire to do His will, that's why He made you. Why would He not help you to do that? You were made to please God. So that's the goal. Our goal is to please God. Whether we're here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please God. Of course, why is this important? Because what you believe about eternity determines how you live today. What you believe about eternity determines how you live today. You have to let that settle in. What you believe about eternity determines how you live today. The devil does not want you to be thinking about eternity. He, he wants you to think eternity is like this cartoon, that it's not real, that there is, that you're not going to live forever. He, he doesn't want you to think that there's a choice between heaven or hell. He, he doesn't want you to think about these things because he doesn't want you to live a significant life in the temporary. But what you believe about eternity determines how you live today. I want to quickly touch on three things before I push into a challenging Scripture. Three things that happen after this life is done. Number one, our physical bodies die. So I pointed that out that we, we're all destined to die. And Hebrews 9 verse 27 says, just as people are destined to die once and after that face judgment. Just the front end of that scripture, just as people are destined to die once, the stats are out. Everyone will physically die once. They have 100% results in that throughout life since the beginning of time. Everyone will die once. But you can live forever. And you will. Everyone will live. Their soul will live on. And that's the second thing. Our souls separate from our physical bodies. Our souls carry on living. So our physical bodies have died as dust, made from dust, returning to dust. But our souls are separate and live on. Matthew 10 verse 28, Do not be afraid of those who, uh, who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Well, who can kill the body? The devil can kill the body. 
There might be people who threaten you, but they can't kill your soul. And you and I aren't fixated and focused on the one who can kill our body. Uh, it says, but rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And, and it's not that God desires to do that, but I'll point out to show you that God is just and He's righteous. And that's why there could, you could end up in eternity in hell. And, and please, this is a sensitive topic. So lean in be, before you just receive this and go, what do you, I need you to listen, see Scripture. John 11 verse 25, Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection of life. Jesus is speaking to Lazarus' sister. He's saying, because Lazarus, he's about to call him out of the grave four days later. He says, I am the resurrection of life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. So even as everyone will die once, they'll live. Whoever lives by believing in me will never die. They can have life to the full. Number three, we will all face judgment. Everyone will face judgment, um, Christian or non-Christian. 1 Peter 1 verse 17, remember that the heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favourites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of Him during your time here as temporary residents. You are a temporary resident. You, the Bible says that your body's a tent. You're a temporary resident. Don't get fixated on the brick and mortar. The brick and mortar that is in heaven. This is temporary. Don't get, don't get caught up. Don't try to let the temporary define you. You're a child of God destined for heaven. You, 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 are, a, you are of a royal family, the King of Kings. He says you are His child, son and daughter. Don't let the temporary try to derail your identity and speak death over you. Do not do it. You, this is a temporary place. You've got an eternal place that you're from and you're destined for heaven. So the two judgments, the great white throne of judgment, the first place, Romans 11 says, and I saw a great white throne and, um, and, the ones, um, and the ones sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from His presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. The books were open, including the book of life. Anyone whose name was found recorded in the book of life anyone's name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So we see now, what we see in Scripture, there's a book of life. Well, how do you get your name in the book of life? You actually receive the free gift of salvation because God's destined everyone's name to be in the book of life. He died for everyone's sins. And of course, God sends us out and, and he, he reveals Himself to people. And everyone in life gets a choice to receive His forgiveness. You can't earn His forgiveness you can only receive it. And then your name's in the book of life. But then people whose names aren't get thrown into the lake of fire. And again, I encourage you to keep listening as I read these Scriptures. Matthew 7 verse 21. Not everyone who calls out to me, and this is a sobering Scripture. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. Lord, Lord, I, I went to View Church all the time. I was in Dream Team. I did all these Christian things. I grew up... In, in a Christian home. Um, I, you know what I mean? Um, I supported Liverpool. Then they're like, okay, get, you get in, you get in. But, but these people will say, I did many things to you. And the reply will be, I never knew you. Get away from me. 
Of course, what we see here is that God's saying, your works don't save you. It's only by you receiving my salvation and having a relationship with me that you're saved. You're not saved by your works. And the, but there is a judgment for works. You'll be rewarded for your works. But you're saved by the grace of God. And your name gets in the Lamb's Book of Life by receiving His forgiveness. And I think Jesus would use some pretty good ink as He writes your name down there. A permanent marker. Your name's in the Lamb's Book of Life. Then the next judgment seat is the judgment seat of Christ. Because people whose names in the Lamb's Book of Life, they go to the judgment seat and we almost appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And, and what we've done will, will be judged and this will be a place where we get rewarded. Scripture actually says there'll be a crown for soul winners. People who actually went out and, and prayed for lost people and shared the, the love of the gospel and, and people who were soul winners, they'll get a special crown. Imagine you coming, kneeling before God and God puts a crown on you and says, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, you served in kids' church for years. Nobody saw it, but I saw it. And those kids' lives were changed forever. And those kids grew up and they started changing other people. You made an eternal difference. You, you know, you might have served in car park and God goes, I saw you on car I saw how you treated people and the way you treated them softened their hearts so that I could minister to them. Well done, good. And, and we don't overlook the small because God doesn't. And God sees the things done in private and secret even more than the things done in public. And He's gonna say, well done as you prayed. Even as you honoured me with your time, your talent and your treasure, you put me first in, your, in all your areas, even your finances, you honoured me. When other people weren't honouring me, you honoured me. You never, you never said I'm second or third. You said I'm first in your life and He's gonna... He He's going to reward you. And so we're going to have this amazing opportunity to be before God. But you know, the, the, there will be people who, who aren't at that place. Their names aren't in the Lamb's Book of Life. And they might have chosen a wide road. The Scripture says there's a way that seems right to man, but the end it leads to death. Matthew 7 verse 13 says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate, narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. I remember um, having this job offer and I was in desperate need of money. It was actually a lot of money. And then they told me what they wanted me to do. And I was like, that would totally dishonor God. There's no one else around. It was just me. And I just said, no. They phoned me for two days. They even took me for lunch. And after a while, the guy was like, you're not taking this because of religious reasons, hey. I said, yeah, you know it. I said, you know, I'm a Christian. I was, it was about, I was 21 years old. He's like, oh, oh he says to me, oh, you just go walk that thin, narrow road. Why don't you? No, no, he, he went to me. He says, oh, religion causes war. He says, he says oh, like, no, he just gunned it. And I said, I said, you know what? When you find the treasure, you, you, you bring everything to buy the field. And I said, I'll happily give up this 
to serve God. But I said, have you got something like that in your life that you'll happily give up money for? I said, I said, that's my question to you. But I said, I'll happily give this up to honour God. And you're right, it's a narrow road, but it leads to life. And a lot of people think you're small-minded to serve God. But this Scripture says there's a wide road that leads to destruction. And, and Craig Michelle said this, it's actually, he says, if he was the devil, what would his strategy be, he asks. He says, he thinks, if I was the devil, I would try to convince you that there is no hell. And if there is, let's not take it seriously. Let's believe that most people would not be going there. He says, if I were the devil, I, I could get, and I could convince you that then you'd probably live however you want. You would justify your sin, you'd reject Christ, and you'd live with no real fear of God. He says, if you're a follower of Christ, I could convince you that hell isn't real and not that important, you would live ridiculously self-centered lives. Think about it, church would just be become about for you, your next infilling, your, your next, it wouldn't be about others, it wouldn't be about seeing lost people say, it wouldn't be about your work, it would just really be for you. You'd, you'd very likely idolise comfort and you'd fall in love with this temporary world. You'd fall in love with it. You'd be like, this is the best temporary world. You'd reject sacrifice and you would totally avoid persecution. You'd love the now. You'd not likely share your faith with maybe anyone really. And there'd be no spiritual urgency in how you live your life today. If I were the devil, I'd probably try to convince you that there is no hell and that you don't have to take it seriously. Of course, he writes, unfortunately, hell is real. We have one life to make an impact in our worlds, to take as many people to heaven as possible. We want to see heaven populate and hell emptied. And this is our mandate. See, I'm not going to go into the Scripture of the rich man and he, the account of him in hell and Lazarus the beggar. But I do want to say to you that hell's actually made for Satan. And, and hell's actually a lake of fire made to deal righteously with Satan. But hell also deals, right, um, deals righteously with unbelievers. And I need you to hear me. We have a lot of people marching around the world for things that are, are wrong. And they're saying somebody has to pay. Somebody, have we seen it? Hey, we've seen a world marching. But those same people don't accept a God who's just. They say somebody has to pay, but, but, but God's holy and just. But God's also loving. And for God to be your God, He can't deny Himself. So even as you receive His love, you're also receiving a holy and just God. And so you've got a God who's holy and just and righteous, but He's also loving. And Scripture says the wages of sin is death. So that's the wage for sin. I want to ask you, if you've never sinned, please raise your hand. Check all the parents checking their kids out, just to make sure they, they, they're healthy. 
Even if you told a lie, the Bible says you're a sinner. So clearly, people who go to hell, because you go, God would never send good people to hell. Well, here's the reality. None of us are good. We're all sinners. We got that? We got a sin nature. They don't do classes for our children as they're born and become toddlers on how to say mine and no and give it to me. It actually happens because it's inside of us. We're selfish. We're sinners. So, so if we do end up in hell, it's because that's the wage, the bill. You see, I had a friend who moved back to Durban. He's a medical doctor. He was, he was running late and he decided to drive from Durban to Maritzburg 200 kilometers an hour. Broke the law. He got caught, got put in jail. And then, of course, he went to court and had to pay a massive bill. Side note, very funny thing was the guy who was in the cell with him, he later on met again at the hospital as his wife had a baby. After delivering the baby, he met the husband and the guy was like, yeah, yeah. And like the wife was like, how do you know each other? We were in jail together. Anyway, so um, imagine that's your doctor. Anyway, <laughs> let's say he didn't speed. Let's say he went to court and they brought up his life. And they said, the wage of sin is death. And they, they said it almost like that drive. The, 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 I think the fine at that point was years ago, it was 20,000 Rand. And the judge said, you broke the law 20,000 Rand. Let's imagine God's the judge. He says, you broke the law 20,000 Rand. He's got his cloak on. He's just, he's righteous. He actually called the wrong. But the same judge takes off his cloak, walks down the stairs, puts his arm around my friend, and he's also the father of that, of my friend. And he actually pays the bill. That's who our God is. He's just, He's righteous, but He's also loving. And so even when the, 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 the bull against your life is death, He says, yes, you're right, death, they must die. But wait, takes off his cloak, goes down. Jesus comes down to earth, dies for us and says it's paid for. You can live forever in heaven. See, I need you to see it. You can see hell. And once you see hell, which is, if you look at the accounts of hell, it's a, it's a lonely place, it's a continual burning and torture. And, and the crazy thing is, the rich man in hell, he was fully aware of what he was facing. He even said, please, can you put some water on the tip of my tongue? They couldn't, he, he couldn't get to heaven. He says, please go tell my family to, to, to not like to receive God's forgiveness. Like, he, he was fully aware. He never complained. He never said this was, in, uh, this, this was wrong. He was fully aware of what he'd done and he knew he'd made a mistake. He just complained about the pain. And yes, his friends weren't there in hell with him. And if they were, they had no contact. That's why that whole thing of, we'll go to hell together, bro. We'll party. Because I'll have no friends in heaven. Like, you know, like. But hell's a, once you see the reality of hell, you'll finally see the beauty of the gospel. Once you see the, the, the torture of hell, you'll see the gift of the gospel for what it is. And you'll go, what? The penalty is death and you paid it? 
this is a glorious gospel. What do you mean? I could, I didn't have to do anything to earn it. I just had to receive it. Yes, that's how you receive your forgiveness. That's how you settle your eternity in heaven. What? This is a glorious gospel. Scripture says that it's the goodness of God that draws people to repentance. And yes, you might see hell, but when you see hell for what it is, it should help you to see the gospel for what it is. That it's the most beautiful thing that's ever happened. Jesus was just and righteous and He called the bull what it is. He called it, death had to happen. And then He sent His Son to pay the price of that death. And that's what the Gospel is. John 3 verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Romans 6 verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in what? In Christ Jesus our Lord. It's in Christ that we get it because He pays for us. In Romans 5 verse 8, But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. John 10 verse 10, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. The thief wants you not to believe that there's an eternal hell. He wants to steal your vision. He wants to distract you. He wants to kill and destroy you. But God's come to give you life. And even a criminal on the cross, the last minutes of his life turned to God and was saved. Anyone can receive this forgiveness. Anyone can be saved. Anyone can spend eternity in heaven. And we need to make sure we never leave our friends without that opportunity. You you need to make sure that you're not trying to please people. You need to go, I need to please God and I need to tell my friends and family, I need to pray for them. What's the point of being popular in in the world but not sharing the good news of Christ? What's the point of not offending your your neighbour so you don't tell them about Christ? Instead of just sowing that seed, they might not receive it today. They might actually accept it tomorrow. They might actually be on their deathbed and remember what you said and say, Jesus, will you remember me? And God will say, today you'll be with me in paradise. But we need to make sure we are wide awake. Let's not fall asleep. This is real and we have an opportunity. Yes, hell is real, but it allows us to see the gospel in all its beauty. Our Father in all His beauty. Because if you think about our Father, He can be trusted. He's righteous and He's just. He didn't break the rules. He actually said, no, these are the rules and I will stick with them. And then He got down and paid the price. Wow, we can trust our Father. We, he's, he's, he's solid as a rock. Nothing can change who He is. We can trust Him. You want to close your eyes quickly? Jesus. It's the goodness of God that draws us to repentance. 
that it's the goodness of God that allows us to receive Him as I say we see it. You, you might see how, but it just highlights the goodness of God. It highlights heaven, it highlights the gospel. I want to encourage you if you've never received this forgiveness, the Bible says as you confess that you're a sinner. He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. And maybe you're seeing now the glory of the gospel, the beauty of His love for you. And now you're saying, I can't earn this forgiveness, but I can receive it today as I acknowledge that I need it. I confess. Scripture says as you confess, He's the Son of God. Because now you're declaring that He's greater than the plan of the enemy. He's greater than the pits of hell. He's greater than the stealing and killing and destroying the enemy wants to do. He's our Saviour. He, he wins. He's won the victory. He, as we, we confess, Confess He's the Son of God and believe God raised Him from the dead. He's conquered death. Death has lost its sting now. Since we are saved. If you would like to receive His forgiveness, I'd love to lead you in a confession. If that's you, I encourage you to raise your hand quickly with every eye closed. Come on, you are receiving forgiveness tonight. You're receiving the Gospel. What a glorious night. God bless you. Anyone else, just pop your hand up. Say, you know, I need to receive His forgiveness. I, I need to accept the free gift of salvation. Anyone else? Just saying, that's me. Give me a wave. Say, God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Saying, that's me. I want to receive it. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? Let's pray together. Maybe you didn't put your hand up, but you know you want to pray this. This is the time. Let's pray. Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. Thank you that you're faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. I confess that you are the Son of God. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. Because of this confession and this belief, the Bible says that I'm saved, that I'm changed, and I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, Amen. Come on, just thank Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can I ask everyone to quickly look to their right? You'll see a door open. If you Put your hand up. You prayed that prayer. I encourage you, well, men and women prayer counselors. I encourage you to tell someone. As you tell someone, you start the journey, and 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 they can also tell you about a next step, a foundational step, where you learn more and more about serving Jesus, a relationship with Jesus. It's called following Jesus. So once you go there, let somebody pray with you. Um, if you are new, I encourage you to grab your your first coffee as you go out at the red banner, the View Group banner, and anyone who needs info can also grab go there and get the info you need about View Group, about any next step. Uh, we're starting a new series from the book of John. It's starting next week all the way to Easter. It's going to be incredible. You're going to learn all about Jesus. It's going to be an amazing series to, to sort of come to every Sunday. And we're going to be preaching two different, to two different topics from the book of um, John morning and evening. So you can double dip. And you guys know people who go to church twice have a way better chance of going to heaven. Have you guys know that? 
Listen, we can't verify that, but if you get to heaven and they ask you, did you go twice? At least you're going to say, I did, yes. And um, so it's a good time of the year to come to church twice. To, to and, and you, of course, get to build more relationship. Um, of course, um, I think I don't think there's anything else, uh, other announcements that I need to make. But remember the one at one, pray for one person for one minute at 1 p.m. And that one person you're going to tr- trust to invite to Easter. And, and this is the time, can't wake up to that opportunity. Wake up to that opportunity to share the gospel. And of course, stand camp. I, know, I saw that pop up. Remember, registrations close 3rd of March. So remember, if you haven't registered yet, make sure you register for stand camp for all our teenagers. That is incredible. And we got burgers on sale. They've prayed over the burgers. They prayed that nobody would gain weight. It's been incredible. They've had a prayer anyway. So enjoy the burgers. What's the price of the burgers? Okay. Uh, they, well, I think they're at a good price anyway. Thank you, Jesus. Well, do, do it in faith, like order one and just see what happens. Anyway, God bless you guys. Cheers. <laughs>